You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. Really making sure that every place you go, you have the intention of it being your home, because it will be for the next year. Be here and create a home, create a routine, really dive into the culture. That's coming up on this episode. Now, I use this podcast to give free advertising to charities. So to hear about a great nonprofit you can support, stay tuned to the end of this episode. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, the wait is finally over. I've had nearly 70 episodes on this podcast interviewing former Oregon State student-athletes, and finally, I have my first women's soccer player. It's taken me a while. I've tried a little bit, hadn't had much success. Now I've had a couple of connections, and I'll have not just today's guest, but a few other women's soccer players down the road. But today, to lead things off, for the women's soccer team, Megan Miller, who was a midfielder on the OSU women's soccer team finishing in 2012. She was voted the team MVP, first team all-conference, third team all-American. Since then, sports has taken her all around the world. Now, she has played soccer around the world, but it's not just her sports career that has caused all the travel. She started dating Angus Brandt while at Oregon State and the six foot ten basketball player Followed his OSU career by traveling all over Lithuania, New Zealand, Australia, China, Italy, and now Japan, which is where I caught Megan. She and Angus just moved there after Angus signed with the Shiga Lake Stars based in Atsu, Japan. So I talked with Megan all about her career in and outside of athletics, her commitment to her relationship with Angus, and where life has taken her. Plus, she's also the first person I've had on this podcast to have gotten the coronavirus. And uh, she is healthy, as is her family, so that was good news. But she recounts her story and how pretty uh, touch-and-go it was for a little bit, concerning for herself and and even more so for her family. But all is well, uh, as we talk about that in the latter half of the conversation. So please welcome former Oregon State midfielder calling in from Japan. Here's Megan Miller. Thanks so much for joining me all the way from Japan, one of the furthest uh, guests I've had on the podcast so far. How are you doing today, Megan? I'm doing very well. Um, thanks for having me on, Josh. It's pretty cool to connect with um, some people from Oregon State. Yes, it's it's going well here in Corvallis. Tell me about the travels from, well, Angus was going from Sydney. You, it, you didn't quite travel together. You're about a week apart. So tell me your departure and arrival and how the travel was going and all the restrictions. Yeah, so because of the virus, obviously, uh, sports have been heavily affected. I think more affected than most people realize, um, more than just, you know, contracts being less than usual and jobs being very slim, but traveling to where you're going to play is actually very challenging right now. So Japan had a uh, ban on 159 countries, including Australia, which was kind of surprising considering Australia has handled the virus pretty well. Um, uh, We didn't realize that when we signed with our Japanese club. So getting all those tidbits of information after we had already signed with the club and we're getting ready to leave was, yeah, kind of disappointing, but we worked through it. So we kind of showed up at the Japanese consulate in Sydney and we're like, 
we know we're not letting visa applications be processed right now, but would you consider processing ours? And um, it was a no, obviously, but the club and league worked really hard with the government and um, they were allowing new visas for new players. Um, they finally agreed on that. So Angus was able to fly out uh, before me. So he flew out um, over a week ago now and his visa came back and mine didn't because at the time they were allowing visas for players, but not for partners or spouses. So I was just kind of sitting in limbo, still in Sydney, which is my second home. But, you know, I, I'm from America. I didn't have my passport with me because the consulate had it. Angus was gone and I was just sitting in this crazy limbo, which wasn't a nice feeling. But um, I was very fortunate to get my visa back the following week. And then I hustled to get, you have to get a negative COVID test within 72 hours of your departure. So got that. Um, I had my passport, my visa, my Australian permanent residency, Angus's contracts, a letter from the club, like eons and eons of paperwork. Um, but my travel day was really smooth. Showed up to the airport, got on my flight, uh, just filled out some paperwork, did another COVID test in Japan. That came back in about 30 minutes negative. And then um, they just processed my residency card and it was pretty easy from then on out. Hopped in the car and traveled the six hours to Atsu. Wow. So you get to move into your new apartment and kind of start settling in and, and spend some time there. So that's, that's awesome to see. You've been a lot of places with Angus. I mean, just a few of them have been Lithuania, New Zealand, Australia, China, Italy. Now Japan are all the places he played. And for the most part, you've been there along with them for most or all of those countries, basically. Uh, when he has been offered contracts, a team you know, reaches out to him, or he's trying to find a new team technically you know he's the one signing the contract and he's the player but I can tell you're enough of a duo where it's the both of you choosing all right what's the best decision and where where should I play and all that so how have those conversations gone each time in terms of looking at the contract what do we want how do we discuss it the communication between the two the how's that gone so we are we are really a duo we are traveling for Angus's career but he is very understanding of you know, what I've sacrificed um, in my own personal life to, to make this work. We're not willing to spend months and years apart while, you know, I'm doing one thing and he's doing another. So when we're looking at contract, it's very much of, is it a good situation basketball wise, but it's also going to be a good situation for me. Like, am I going to be safe living there? There's plenty of countries where I wouldn't be safe traveling by myself or leaving the apartment on my own. And that's just not enjoyable for eight to 10 months of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, we look when we sign with the club, is it, is it family friendly? Um, you know, are they respectful of spouses, you know, wanting to be involved and go to the games and, um, you know, meet with other partners on the team. And, um, we've always been very fortunate. We have a great agent who always looks out for me and always makes sure, um, that I'm covered in terms of flights and things like that. So, We've always, yeah, worked as a team and we've been very fortunate. We've met some great people along the way, worked with some great clubs. Um, we always try to find apartments and accommodation that are walking distance for me to get to, you know, shops and cafes and grocery stores and stuff because we're usually given one car in our contract. So when Angus is gone, sometimes two times a day for training, it needs to be something where I'm not just cooped up in the apartment. I can get out and, you know, go to the gym or yeah, like I said, meet up with someone for a coffee. So we're, we work as a team, which, yeah, I'm very appreciative of. When I was talking with him a couple of weeks ago, he made it pretty clear 
you know, Megan has sacrificed a lot. She had a lot of opportunities in soccer. She, she was the better athlete. You should be talking to her, not me. Um, and, and you did have a great career at OSU, you know, first team all-conference and third team all-American and, and a lot of that sort of thing. Was there a, a particular moment where you decided between, okay, I could keep playing here or there or go with Angus? Was there a singular dramatic decision or more of a process? How, how did that decision come about? It was, it was a process for sure. I mean, I had been playing really since I was four, but competitively, you know, from my teen years and my life was all about soccer. I had, I had no time for anything else. I didn't go to parties, you know, I, you have the classic, Oh, I can't, I've got soccer practice kind of excuse growing up. Um, yeah, my life was 24 seven about soccer. And honestly, after four years of college, um, I was pretty done. I was like, I need a break haven't ever had one and I have no interest in continuing to play like I just want to veg out and be a regular college student in my last term like I want to go to class and come back and sit on the couch and just binge Netflix shows and that lasted like two or three weeks and then I was like I'm bored this is not fun for me um and at that point in time I had I had rolled my ankles so many times in soccer it's a it's a big one for me and um I was like, okay, if I want to continue to try to play professionally somewhere, I need, uh, basically need a new set of ankles. So um, just, I ended up having a reconstruction surgery on my right ankle just to tighten up the ligaments. And um, yeah, it was worse than I had expected. And the recovery process actually took me 12 months, which was longer than I had expected. At that time, I was working an internship at the Oregon State Athletic Department because Angus had his red shirt senior year. So it worked out great for us to be able to spend that extra time together. Um, and in that time, I was rehabbing with the goal of playing again at a high level. Um, and then Angus signed in Sydney. We did, I think, about six months long distance there. And um, I decided to move to Australia. And at that point, the goal was to still try out for semi-professional or professional clubs um, in Australia. And my first tryout. I remember because Angus had a game in the city and I had a game all the, or try out all the way across town. And it was my first time driving on the left side of the road. And Angus was like, you just got to do it, get in the car. So I drove on what's called the busiest road in the Southern hemisphere by myself for the first time to get to my tryout. But I just wasn't fit enough. I wasn't ready. Um, I faked it the entire tryout, but it just did not feel good. Um, and then throughout the years I continued to rehab and, um, just get back into shape, which is different for a college athlete working at a high capacity, a high level to now working out in, you know, regular gyms and trying to figure out what to do on your own. And it was very weird to now try to be fit for life as opposed to be fit for a sport. But I still had that inkling in the back of my mind. I ended up trying out for another club in Sydney, another pro club. And was pretty close. I actually lost my spot to um, a Canadian national team player, which I just couldn't compete with someone who had that on their resume. Um, and by then I was kind of tired of the rejection at that point, not something I was entirely used to. So kind of gave up on soccer until we moved to Perth. And um, Angus was the one who pushed me to try out for another club in Perth, which was um, a semi-pro team. And I was, I didn't want to do it because I thought I would disappoint myself. And then I was like, that's just silly. Just go for it. And I tried out. I made the team. I loved it. I made some amazing friends. And the quality of soccer was 
so much higher than I expected. These are girls that normally play in the pro season and now um, they're in their off season. So they're playing with these semi-pro teams. So the level was incredible. And it was exactly what I was looking for because I wasn't ready to have fun yet. I still needed there to be competition and for it to be serious. And um, yeah, played there for a couple of years and really loved it. And then when the opportunity came for us to travel abroad, um, after fighting through some injuries and whatnot, just kind of decided to hang out in the cleats and just enjoy the traveling. Speaking of your time, you know, soccer post OSU, since we haven't talked about really playing at OSU that much, how about a, a favorite memory from time playing at Oregon State? There's a lot of games, a lot of goals, a lot of assists, but uh, how about one story that you can think of? One story. It's going to be hard to pick. Um, I should preface by saying it was like probably the best four years of my life. I made some lifelong friends. Absolutely amazing. I loved it. Um, let's see. I guess I can tell my my favorite goal that I ever scored at OSU. We were playing in Colorado and um, it was snowing. So it was absolutely freezing. And um, in soccer, they don't let you wear, um, or they used to not let you wear long sleeve under armor that didn't match the color of your jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were wearing white and all I had was my black long sleeve. And they're like, sorry, you gotta take it off. So I'm playing in you know the middle of winter, it felt like in Colorado um, with just you know short sleeves, shorts, whatever. But um, I'm actually left-footed, and so when I get a chance to get the ball on my left, I'm pretty happy about it. And um, I remember one of my teammates, an outside back, made this beautiful, beautiful cross. Um, I chested it down and then full volleyed it into into the net. And it was my favorite goal I've ever scored. Like, not a whole bunch of people in the crowd because it was cold out. We were away. Um, but it was just, yeah, that's that's my favorite goal I've ever scored. Um, But one of the funniest things that sticks out to me, a different story, is my freshman year, we made uh, the tournament for the first time in I don't even know how long for the the school. And um, so the school and Oregon State Soccer wasn't really prepared for it. So we up and packed up for like three weeks at a time because we were just on the road going to these different games. And we actually didn't have like winter gear, really. And we were in uh, the Midwest, like Michigan area. And so the football team had to donate us their big puffer jackets that they wear on the sidelines and whatnot so any girls that were on the sidelines were wearing these huge football winter puffer coats um it was pretty funny to see and then um, of course we had to give them back (laughs) that's a pretty funny memory i have oh i just thought of another one yeah go for it this is actually this is actually my favorite so freshman year again we're on um on the road for the tournament and i'm rooming with um one of the freshmen, my roommate Milan at the time, and we were in charge of the balls uh, to bring to the field for the game because uh, we were freshmen. It was part of our, our dues. We put them in front of our hotel door. Don't forget these. It'll be easy. They're right there. Show up to the game. Our coach Linus is like, where are the balls? We've got to warm up. And me and Milan were like, oh, my we had to climb over the balls to get out of our room, left them. So our very first debut into NCAA tournament soccer, no balls to warm up with, like <laughs> nightmare. We both looked at each other and said, well, because we were both starters and playing a good amount of time. And we said, we're not going to see the field today or ever again. Um, luckily, my parents were traveling to watch the game. So I gave them the room key. They hustled back to get the balls. Um, and the other team gave us like two or three to warm up with. Um, luckily, we still got to play and we did end up winning. So that was disaster averted. But that was, yeah, that was tough, but funny now. 
<laughs> that that is amazing. Those are some those are some good memories and a lot of freshman year. You come right in and <clears throat> had a, had some fun. Yeah, stuff. yeah, I enjoyed. It. I mean, my my senior year was great too. My my favorite year for me personally, despite not making the tournament. That was the one year we didn't do it. But my senior year was probably my most confident as a player, and I got the most playing time. And um, I'm not necessarily a scorer. I'm more of a distributor, but I had quite a few goals that year as well, which was nice. And yeah, I think that that was kind of the accumulation and the great like end cap for my college career was that one. I, I really enjoyed senior year. To talk a little bit more about what life looks like now you're getting into, and I know it's not always easy to do it while traveling, but some more physical training, physical therapy. Tell me about what that looks like or what you may hope it to look like in the future, what you're passionate about in that area. Yeah, so I, I really became, it's kind of funny, as a college athlete, you think you'd be very passionate about health and fitness and science, and that wasn't the case for me. It was more through, like, I need to just get through the lifting so I can just, like, play soccer. I wish I had devoted more time and energy into the weight room. I can only imagine how much better of an athlete I would have been if I actually gave two cents about lifting. Um, and now it's just having come back from injuries and just, like I said, trying to be fit for everyday life, which was so different from what I was used to. Um, it's, it's something I'm really passionate about being healthy, um, being fit to travel. And it sounds silly, but to even lug my 32 kilo bags through the airport on my own, you know, and for me also my family, my dad had a stroke a few years ago. And if he hadn't been exercising and losing weight, he would not have survived as a healthy person and he did so fitness has become um, a key point in my own personal family as well and angus has always been interested in health and fitness he's going down that physio path and that strength and conditioning path and so i ended up getting my certificate in personal training as well i really enjoy the group atmosphere obviously being a team sport player soccer player i really enjoyed training in that group capacity. So I became an F45 instructor actually in Perth where we were living. And um, yeah, I loved it. It was just, it was different. It wasn't, I need to work out in the gym and on the field for four hours a day. It was, you know, I can work out for 45 minutes to an hour and, you know, be good to go. I don't need to be in elite athlete shape anymore. I was running with sprints with Angus in this off season. And, you know, I was trying to keep up with the boys. He was running with like this 16 year old footy player who's in the best shape of his life and then angus a pro athlete now i was trying to keep up with them and i was like look i'm gonna hurt myself i'm not a pro athlete i don't need to be running all these sprints i can do half the amount that they're doing so the transition was more of a mental transition than physical um but yeah fitness is definitely a huge passion for both of us and it's something i can take with me everywhere i go in every single country we're in i can either a find a gym or b create my own workouts in whatever space we're living. So it is my constant. It's something that never changes because I've always got it with me. And that's, that's pretty big for someone in my situation. A couple last questions for you. How would you say that uh, the pandemic has changed your life in the biggest way, other than some hard travel things, um, things that maybe you would have expected this year to look like, but didn't, or didn't expect to look like, but it did. Uh, what would you say? 2020, the changes, what comes to mind? Yeah, um, it all came on kind of suddenly while we were in Italy. And um, I, once we heard that Italy was locking its borders, Angus was like, okay, let's get you out. I want you to be protected, to be safe. And I was like, okay. And then ironically, I 
got coronavirus on the way home. So it was like, I left Italy to not get the virus. And then I got the virus in transit somewhere else. I was very fortunate and didn't experience any really dangerous or crazy symptoms. But um, on, on the bright side, we've been able to spend so much time with family. I was at home for three months before going back to Sydney. So I got to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, including my sister. I normally would only be able to see her on the weekends because she works a full-time job if I was to come home in the summer, but I could go and stay at her house for a week and see her the entire week, which was really lovely. And then spent a lot of time with Angus's family uh, together during the off season as well. So that's, that's a massive bright side. Um, the really hard part was just sitting in complete limbo, waiting for contracts and opportunities to come and knock in. And um, after having spent a year in Europe, we thought, you know, everything will be available to us. We are going to have so many people knocking on the door and things had a really great year in Italy and the virus just had a massive effect on the sporting industry. And there's so many people vying for uh, just a few jobs. So we had intended to go back to Europe. That was the goal. Um, we had opportunities in, in Australia as well. We weren't quite ready to come back. We kind of wanted to keep living abroad and, and you know, keep pursuing those opportunities. Um, and then an opportunity from Japan came around and it was very unexpected. We had never even considered Japan at this stage in our career. We were kind of tunnel vision on Europe, but it was just a very stressful off-season clubs weren't very communicative and telling us giving us timelines and um, not in keeping with those timelines and we kind of just got stuck in this humdrum of you know we're up in the mountains in Sydney going to the gym together every day shooting rebounding shooting rebounding and it just became this very monotonous lifestyle that we weren't used to for an extended period of time um, we ended up considering the Japanese offer and it it, it's, it was the best that we could have hoped for. It was exciting and um, a good opportunity for Angus basketball wise. And we became, yeah, really, we jumped with both feet in and we're ready to go for it. And then all of the issues with traveling came in, but um, it was just a very long, unusual time away from basketball. Angus hadn't played with a team for at that point, like six plus months or something, which is really unusual. He usually goes, you know, 10, 11, 12 months without, having a break. Yeah. So that was, it was a very long, stressful off season. And we're happy that we're in a situation now to get back into, into basketball. And, and Japan seems like one of the safest countries to be in right now that the league will actually go through. Um, I'll be able to watch and maybe have some fans in there as well. Did you have any fear when you first got that, that test result back positive tests? Was there any worry there? You didn't have any symptoms at that point I ended up not really having it at all at any point, but did you have any fear right then? I did. I actually, I felt extremely guilty. Um, guilty that, I mean, I, I wasn't doing anything irresponsible to have contracted the virus, but I felt guilty that I know I'd been around Angus's parents. I, I had just flown into Seattle and, and seen my parents that night. And that was my first thought of, wow, what if either of our parents get it? Um, at that point, I just had a prolonged headache. Um, and then within an hour of getting my positive results, I lost my sense of smell and taste as well, which is, um, I guess, a, a key indicator for someone my age. Um, but I, I quarantined really hard. 
for longer than I needed to for my parents. So three weeks straight, cooped up in my room, didn't leave um, except to go to the bathroom down the hall. My mother was a saint and delivered all of my meals to my door, cleaned all my dishes, and I, it was worth it because neither of them got sick, um, which was incredible, and neither of Angus's parents got sick either. So, I mean, that's the bright side and something that could have been very scary and very sad was that we, we did the right things, and because of it, we all came out okay. So that's all I can, I can um, be thankful for. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And that, that is good to hear both for your sake and family's sake and ended up being about as good as it possibly could have been considering the yeah. circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to touch on maybe to, to close up one last thing or two, since you've been to so many countries and to experience cultures of a, a variety of places, what's something that you've gathered as a person, a life lesson you've taken away, especially through seeing people's, I mean, every culture has their own values, their own systems of doing things. So have you changed as a person a lot because you've seen, oh, this is how they do it in this country. I like that. Or I'm not going to take, I'm going to take this or that, you know, that sort of thing. Like what have you learned as a person with so much travel? Uh, So many things. I am such a shy and pretty sheltered person. I would have been the last person that anyone thought from my hometown that would move and be living in different countries abroad. That was not me. I didn't expect that. Even dating Angus in college, it didn't even cross my mind that he would be playing professional basketball, potentially in other countries. So <laughs> that, was, that was on me. But um, I've learned a lot. It's, it's just opened my eyes to America is... I mean, I love, I love being American and from home and I loved my upbringing and everything, but opening your mind and seeing other parts of the world is just, it's such a valuable piece that anyone can have. It's just travel is such an experience. You know, you need to be open to trying different foods and meeting different people and trying to learn the language and I've come across plenty of other partners that were unwilling to do that. Um, we're just, you know, I, I miss America. I miss the food. I want to be home. And they're trying to bring that with them wherever they are. And that's not right. Like if you're living somewhere, be there, Yeah. just experience it. You're, you're always going to go back home, but be there and experience it. And for me, I have become a much more, laid back, relaxed, come what may kind of person, which is not normally like me. I'm a very anxious, worrisome person. But through the years, just with kind of how hectic and up and down and crazy our lifestyle can be, you just have to enjoy. This isn't going to last forever. Basketball is not something you can put on the back burner and do later, do life now. It has to be this way. It has to be basketball now and then settle down and plant roots later. So I think it's just been enjoying and really making sure that every place you go, you have the intention of it being your home because it will be for the next year. Don't treat it like it's a holiday. It is my life. Like be here and create a home, create a routine but really dive into the culture and the food and um, travel around the country as much as you can and, you know, meet people. I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. No, no, no. Um, it's just, it just be all there. That's what I can say. I, I hope everyone has the opportunity to travel at some point in their life and experience a world outside of what they've always known. I know it's not a possibility for everyone and I recognize how lucky I am to see 
see these different beautiful places. But it's just, it's so invaluable. And it's something that I wish everyone had the opportunity to do. I resonate with that a lot. When I, when I, I spent seven months in the Philippines a couple of years ago, and it, it both like on one hand made me more thankful for America because I, I'm more comfortable living in the country I grew up in all the comforts and that. So it made me like, Oh, I, I appreciate things I didn't appreciate more. But on the other hand, it also made me so much more engaged with the culture and appreciate the Philippines, for example, because, you know, I grew up in America and you're thinking I'm American and every other culture, I compare it in the context of my own. I see it through the lenses of how it compares to America. But when I'm, you know, having lunch with a Filipino, they're not thinking, oh, compared to America, this is how we make our food or this is how they're not thinking about America as they live their life. And so once I started to engage with that and just enjoy Filipino culture for Filipino culture, it completely changed everything. Absolutely. And yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Like you're very thankful for the things you have at home, but it's always, it's always cool to expand your mind and learn new things and, and, and see other ways of life. And because every country has their own little intricacies and, and different ways of being. So yeah, I completely agree with you. It was, yeah, it's been quite a transition, but it's, it's something that I hope we can continue to do for a few more years at least before planting our roots. But um, yeah, it's been an awesome journey. That's so fun. Well, I'm glad you've been able to travel a lot. You've learned a lot. Best of luck to you going forward with everything you and Angus have got going. And I hope he has a tremendous time there in Japan, however long that lasts. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Megan. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a real joy. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Megan Miller. It's been fun to talk with former Oregon State student-athletes who had started dating or are now married to other Oregon State student-athletes. Hopefully you heard Angus Brandt's episode, and obviously you got to hear all the stories of Megan and Angus and their life together ever since Oregon State. In fact, the very next episode, somewhat similar, another Oregon State student-athlete who married a fellow OSU student-athlete. So that's coming up on the very next episode. Really quick before you go, I like to sponsor charities and, and feature them, give some free advertising. The Benton Community Foundation does some amazing work right here in Corvallis, helping people in need. So if you want to do some local work and donate some money to a place that helps with elder care, youth programs, people experiencing homelessness, food banks, all that sort of thing, check out the link in the description. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Until next time, good night and go Bees.